Turn in your Bible, please, to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. Thank you for all that wonderful music this morning. Hadn't that been a blessing? We praise God for it. <clears throat> Ezekiel 33. The Lord willing, I want to speak for a few moments <clears throat> on the subject, the value of a soul. The value of a soul. You'll keep in mind that in the book of Genesis we read, God said, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God made he them, male and female created he them. And then in chapter two it says, and God breathed upon man and he became a living soul. In the book of Thessalonians we read that man is a trichotomy. He is body, soul, and spirit. The body, the biology, the soul, the psychology, and the spirit, our ability to receive God into our lives. But all the way through the Bible, the word soul and spirit are used interchangeably. And the term that I use this morning, the value of a soul, we're talking about that, that thing that really makes us different from kangaroos and elephants and dogs. That is that God-shaped vacuum that is in our lives. We're different from the animal world. As much as we love a horse, we used to have a horse on the farm named Maud, and we saw her die, and it hurt. There were tears, and we had to bury Maud. But Maud's gone. We don't go to her grave and think one day there's going to be a resurrection of Maud. She's gone. We had a <clears throat> beautiful dog named Highland. When I was six years old, he was bigger than I was. And we loved him, but somebody gave him a bone and he choked over it and he died. And we hurt. There were tears. And some of you who've lost a dog know what that means. And we had a funeral for Highland. He died. But we didn't go to his grave and expect that one day when Jesus comes again, there'd be a resurrection of Highland. He was a blessing to us while he was here, but he was gone. But you and I are not like that. You and I are a living soul. And the soul of man will live here encased in this body we know each other by. But when this body has to lie down in illness and then death, that which is really our life, our suke, our soul, goes out to be with God. Amen. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Our body goes back to the grave. But one day when Jesus comes again, those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. There'll be a resurrection of the dead and we'll have a new body. We'll be with him forever. So we talk about the value of a soul. In Ezekiel chapter 33, again the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of my people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts 
and set him for their watchman. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet. He took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. The reason in the military in the old days and sometimes today also, we have watchmen that watch through the night. And if that watchman goes to sleep on his post of duty and the sword comes and the enemy prevails, as soon as there can be a trial, they court-martial the man who went to sleep at the post and sometimes is given the death penalty. You and I have been set as watchmen to the house of this world. We live in a world that is increasingly dark. The light, which is Christ, has been diminished in many quarters. And the Word of God has been diminished by many people. But those to whom I speak this morning, mostly and mainly, are believers. You have Christ in your heart. And in that sense, God has set you a watchman to your family, a watchman to your house, a watchman at your work, a watchman in the city of Bowling Green, in the Warren County, and wherever you live, you're a watchman. And when you see the sword coming, do not warn, then the sword will come and take them away. But their blood will I require at thine hand. That's what God is saying. In Proverbs 11:30, he that winneth souls is wise. Amen. In Daniel 12:30, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. In Luke chapter 14, a man made a great supper. He sent his servants out to bid those that could to come. And the servants came back and said, they all with one consent began to make excuse. Some said, I've bought a piece of property, I've got some cattle, or I've married a wife, and I cannot come. And the Lord of that, that supper and that kingdom got angry. And he said, none of those that have been invited and have refused to come will taste of my supper. Now go out into the highways and hedges and compel others to come that my house may be full. That's a picture of today's society. Many have been invited. Many have said no. Our bus pastors, our soul winning teams, our Sunday school teachers, many of you have knocked on doors, rung telephone bells and, and rung doorbells at the house. You've invited people to come and they've been indifferent. They said, no, not today, some other day. I'm just not ready. I don't feel like it. I can't come today. I have other things to do. I have business to take care of. 
the scripture says, if you've warned them and death comes, they'll die in their iniquity, but you've delivered your soul. But if you failed to speak, if you failed to warn, if you failed to blow the trumpet, if you failed to tell them Jesus saves, Jesus saves, then they'll die in their iniquity but their blood will I require at thine hand. To try to consider the value of a soul, we have to think of some things. There are a lot of things that are very, very important to us. Our job, our family, our homes, our cars, our education, our gold watch, our diamond ring, our excellent grades. All these things are very, very important, but they pale into insignificance when compared to the value of a soul. Amen. When you think of the value of a soul, you have to think of the value of a person, the worth of a person. <clears throat> Chris Mansfield stood here a moment ago. I've talked to those who work with him in his job. They say Chris is the same in his job as he is at church. Amen. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, he comes and shares with us some incident, some word, some testimony, and then he sings a song that always makes my heart glad and triumphant. Just suppose Chris were lost, didn't give the strength of his youth to the Lord, didn't give his voice to the Lord, didn't give his family to the Lord. He and his wife didn't make a, a contract and a, and a, a covenant to rear their children in the nurture of the Lord. There are a dime a dozen today, they're out there everywhere. Men, women, who care little for the Lord, practically nothing. They say, oh, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but they just go on their merry way. They never do anything to try to win anybody to Christ. In Chris's early Christian life, he and James Crawford and I visited together almost every week for about a year or two and we went to those people that Chris had sinned with and he told them what a difference Jesus made Amen. that's sounding the trumpet when you want to know the value of a person the value of a soul you think of Lee Kennedy Forty-six years ago, somebody told him about Jesus. He resisted for a little while, then he opened his heart to Christ. Christ came in. Lee was on every committee this church has ever had in building and going forward. A deacon for life, now in heaven. How different would have been if nobody had sounded the trumpet? Lee Kennedy, we all love, and I miss him very much with the Lord now. I think of Geraldine Smith, triumphant Christian. She's with the Lord now. She was a charter member of our church and she had a sort of a goal or a plan in mind that I appreciated it very much. Every time I had a funeral, she was there. She said, I think somebody from Glendale ought to be at every funeral our pastor has. So she'd come whether she knew them or didn't know them. We need a replacement for Geraldine Smith. 
Would you just think the influence she had on others, Amen. the lives that she touched for Christ? You think of the value of a person, you think of a Hugh McGuire. Hugh McGuire was a fisherman. All I ever knew about fishing, I learned from Hugh McGuire and Ralph Guthrie. But Hugh resisted the Lord for a while, and he didn't know Christ. He came to visit us one Sunday, and God put him on my heart. I went to see him every week for 13 weeks. I'm sure others did too. Finally, after I'd gone every week for 13 weeks, I decided on Thursday night to go something, do something else. There was a revival meeting going on in town, and I wanted very much to hear that preacher. So I got our people out visiting, and then I went over to that church to go uh, hear the man preach. And as I walked up on the porch of that church, had my Bible in my hand, God said, you're supposed to go see Hugh McGuire tonight. Well, I said, Lord, I've been to see him every week for 13 weeks. I'm going to be a pest. He won't want me to come. You go see him tonight. So without saying anything to the people, and some of the people on the platform, on the porch knew me, I just got my Bible and went on back to the car, drove over on Hope Street, drove down in front of his house, and the devil said, you'll be a pest. Don't go in there. Drove down the street. God said, you better go tonight. I turned around, went back. The devil said, don't go in there. I did that five or six times up and down Hope Street. I don't guess anybody was looking out the window and saw that strange thing, just car going up and down Hope Street. Finally, I pulled my car up in front of that house and jumped out before the devil could say another word. I went up to the door. His wife came to the door. I said, where is Hugh? She said, he's in the back getting ready to go fishing. I just walked through the house. I'd never done that before. Went out the back door. He was down on his steps fixing his fishing tackle and so on. I put my Bible over in his, on his leg. I said, Hugh, God sent me here tonight to tell you you need to be saved. Amen. I've already given you all the scriptures I know. I won't ask you to give your heart to Christ. Amen. In just a few minutes, Hugh McGuire opened his heart to Jesus. Amen. Saved. Saved forever. Amen. He became a pillar in the church. He's helped me baptize thousands of people. He became one of the superintendents down at our Glendale Chapel, and he and his wife served there for years. Now just suppose Hugh McGuire had not been saved. The value of a soul, one person coming to Christ. I could repeat this over and over again. I think of our dear deacon, Brother Lonnie, Lonnie Cook. His wife, Grace, visited our church. He used to listen to our radio program, Anchored Broadcast. I went out to see Lonnie. He was always courteous, always kind, always nice. But not today, not now, another time. But God kept him on my heart. And one day I got Charlie Wilson to go with me. We drove out there and I said, Bonnie, I want you to go come out here and look at the car. I got a different car. He came out and sat in the front seat with Charlie, and I sat in the back, and we talked a little while. And I said, Lonnie, God wants you to give your heart to Jesus. Won't you do it today? And Lonnie Cook surrendered his heart to the Lord in the car. Sometime later, he came, was baptized. 
He's one of our deacons, been a pillar in this church all these years. Just suppose he was lost. Listen, when you hear the voice of warning, and when you know people are lost, and all around they're all lost and going to hell, can you forbear giving them the gospel? Can you keep from it? This is God's plan. The value of a soul? Well, you think for a minute of the tragedy of a wasted life. I'm not going to name names and give you illustrations this morning of wasted lives, but I know some. Some that maybe we didn't try to reach and they, they lost and they've gone to hell. Some that maybe we did try to reach and we sounded the trumpet and they said no and they've gone. One of the saddest things I have, and I've had four funerals this last week, one of the saddest things is to stand by a casket of somebody who goes to hell and know that just a few days or a few weeks or a few months ago, that person could have said yes to Jesus, but he didn't. Oh, my dear beloved friends, all around us are people on the brink of eternity. They're going down the valley one by one with their faces toward the setting of the sun. And you and I have the message. What a terrible tragedy should they be lost. Lost. What does it mean to be lost? The Bible tells us there's a hell, terrible hell to, to go away from. Hell is a place of outer darkness in Matthew 8, 12. It's a place of torments, Luke 16, 23. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, Matthew 8, 12. It's a plain place of shame and everlasting contempt, Daniel 12, 2. It's a place of torturing memory, Luke 16, 23. It's a place of everlasting punishment, Matthew 25, 46. If you're here today and you're lost, you're headed for hell. I wouldn't tell you the truth. I wouldn't be a gospel preacher. I wouldn't be loving you if I didn't warn you there's terrible hell ahead. There's a precipice ahead and you're going over it. I want to sound the trumpet, warn you and urge you to turn to Christ now. The awfulness of men should be lost. But last of all, if we don't know the value of a soul, not only do we see the value of a person whose life is changed, given to Christ, and the value of avoiding hell, that awful, awful, insane asylum of the nations where men like Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin and your brother or sister or son or daughter or husband or wife are headed toward hell. And if you're here today without Jesus, you're headed for hell. If you leave here and your heart steps beating, you're going to hell. And God doesn't want that. It was never God's will that anyone go to hell. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if we want to know what a, the value of a soul, we have to know what God did to save that soul from hell. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And so God sent his son, the prized prince of heaven. He came to earth, born in a manger, 
grew up in Nazareth, baptized by John the Baptist down at the Jordan River, began his public ministry in Capernaum. He called Peter and James and John and Matthew and others. He touched blind eyes and caused them to see. Amen. He touched lame limbs and caused them to walk. He interrupted funeral processions, raised dead people to life. Amen. And then they led Jesus to the cross. And he who knew no sin became sin. My sin, your sins, it was all put on him. And while he was dying on the cross, he looked in the face of God the Father. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish. You say, that's a simple story. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. What is the gospel? The story of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. And if you'll trust him, he who died went out into eternity, came back and said, be not afraid. I have overcome sin and the grave and death and hell. And whosoever believe in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. You'll be saved. That's how valuable a soul is. God thought it was so valuable, he let Jesus die for my sins and your sins. Do we think it's valuable? Do we think a soul is valuable? Is that soul valuable enough for us to give ourselves this year to witnessing and telling others about Christ? A little while ago, I asked you to sign that little statement that said, I'll be a witness this year. I hope everybody's done that. But I want to ask you, would you commit yourself to be a witness for Jesus. Will you do it? And if you're not a Christian, would you just right now open your heart to Christ and say, Jesus, I give you my heart. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God. So grateful for its power to save whosoever will may come. We pray that you would put on our hearts witnessing strength and witnessing conviction and soul-winning power to go to the highways and hedges and compel people to come to you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Let's stand, please. Let's sing, I have a Savior. He's pleading in glory. A dear loving Savior, though earth's friends be few. That's a wonderful song. For you I am praying. Now listen. I haven't preached too long. We've got just a few more minutes before it's 12 o'clock. I want to ask you to do something. If you mean business with God and you'll say, Lord, use me as a witness for you this year, I want you to come and stand right in front of the platform and I want to pray for you and for me, for all of us. Will you do it? Now, close your eyes. I'm going to ask Brother Lloyd to sing that song. And as he sings it, you come and just stand here with your head bowed and humbling yourself before God. I have a Savior.
thank you for these who have come to say, I'll be a witness. Use me, Lord. We know that we're weak, strengthless. We can't do it in our own power. But Lord, help us to be watchmen to the house of our own homes and our neighborhood, our Sunday school class, our workplace. Help us to live a lifestyle of Christian faith. Help us to be freed from spiritual lockjaw so we can open our mouths and speak about Jesus. God, I pray that through this commitment that we make to you today, that you would give us boldness to tell others about Jesus and warn them from the terrible sword that is coming, the awful eternity without God. Now remain in prayer while we ask the choir to sing that chorus once or anybody that would sing it. If you're here today and you're not saved, would you come to Christ? Just offer him your life. Just say, here's my life, Jesus. I give it to you. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you come? I'm going to watch for you. Is there somebody who would come? And there's a young boy here who's planning to be baptized today. I want to ask you to come and just stand with me on the platform. You do what God tells you to do while, the, while we sing. For you I am praying. 